Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. And we're back, Scriptorians. It is time to continue our exciting and somewhat profound discussion of 1 Corinthians. Now, if you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to the last podcast, which was the All About Corinthians giving us kind of the background, the setting, and what's going on, and a little bit on the structure. It'll make more sense. So uh, today we're going to actually jump into two of the basically five main issues that it's going to cover, and then next time we will finish up with some of the last issues. So that is what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about divisions and a little bit about immorality. So if you are listening with maybe a kid around, you might want to put on headphones. I don't think it'll get um, scandalous or anything, but just know that these are the topics that are being discussed on today's podcast. All right, let's jump in. All right, couple of structural suggestions. Remember, they're just suggestions. You can break this up any way that makes sense to you. But uh, first part was just to remember the genre, and and it's a letter. So specific, it is a letter in response to Paul hearing that the congregation was struggling. Remember, he had lived there before. Then he gets word, and he actually refers to writing a letter previous to this, so there was even another letter we all have. But they're freaking out. I mean, Paul's like, what? So he writes a really significant letter to address some of that issue. And and why is that important? Well, a couple things you need to know is that it, it helps with the structure. It's going to be, here's the problem, and then here's a solution through uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this letter... You're not going to hear the whole story. We're only coming in one-sided. So that means you don't actually know what was happening on the other side. You're just putting the story together. Uh, one, The only reason I caution that is sometimes uh, the letters are a place where I see the most people kind of proof text or they grab an idea and then they expand it really exponentially, probably more than Paul would have even done on what those things mean. And, and so those, some of those things might be in there today. So I just want to say, hey, a little bit of caution that we need to go back to our, our prophet and our leaders and, and make sure this ties out with other doctrine. Um, and it does. So it just don't overcomplicate things or jump in too heavy if you don't know the other side of the story, which we don't know in the letter. We're making that side up and just guessing. But we're going to see problem, solution, problem, solution. All right. So, but hold on. Hold on right there. Before we get into the first discussion topic, uh, the problem and the solution, I have a quiz for you. I have a quiz. So I want you to... Read the first nine verses, chapter one, and see if you see any words repeating. It's not very long. It'll take you like 30 seconds. So go back, read 1 Corinthians chapter one, verses one through nine, and I want you to count or see how many times you see words repeating. See if you see anything common. So uh, I'm going to hit pause for a second. You're going to go do that. And then I, well, maybe we'll read it together. Why don't we just read it together? Because then you won't feel bad if you're in your car or something like that so go do that or you can listen along see if you see any repeating words paul called to be an apostle of jesus christ through the will of god 
and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, which all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given to you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are in, enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed to you, confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right. Did you catch it? Did you see it? Uh, it was obvious, right? The name Jesus Christ. In nine verses, it is repeated nine times. And then again in the next verse, and then again a couple verses later. So it is so many times. And that should jump out at us that you're like, wow, it's a very short letter. And in the first 10 verses, 10 times, first nine verses, nine times. So what do you think Paul has as the focus? Well, let me ask it this way. If you were writing a letter to a congregation and you've heard they had a bunch of issues, what what would be the answer? What would be the answer you would give them? All right, take that one step farther. One step further, farther. You, in your life, let's say you're having a bunch of issues and they're complex and they're very important to you. What would the answer be? Could it be Jesus Christ? Maybe. Just a thought. So that's a little tool that you have when you're trying to study something is look for repeated words. Look for parallels. And if they jump out, say, well, that's a lot of times. That's a lot of times. So what I like to do is go through and highlight it. Um, and I like to do that online because you can go and erase the highlights really easily. Uh, but if you have scriptures you like, you could uh, just, you know, just make a little note on a piece of paper or write them. Uh, or you could get a different set of scriptures and you could just see if you see common words and phrases and then see if you see something in it. And this one should jump out at us. So there you go. All right. In verse 10, we're going to hear the first issue. So let's move on to that part. The first issue that Paul is going to address. And he says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. And that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So right out of the gate, we have the issue of division. And he says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them that are of the house of Chloe, that there be contentions among you. And I say this, that every one of you says, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He says, well, it kind of in parentheses, I thank God that I baptized none of you except maybe just Crispus and Gaius, lest any of you say that I had baptized you in my own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. But besides that, I don't even, I don't think I didn't baptize anybody else. But Christ sent me not to baptize, but to treat, preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be main, made of none, none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. So recap. Different teachers come in. He mentions a few of them. Did you catch them? Apollos, 
Uh, we met him in Acts, remember, one of my favorite guys. Peter, and that was Cephas, that's his uh, his name, uh, and Paul himself. And it sounds like that they have these little groupies. So remember in those days, what we learned last time was that it was always about who was new and who was the eloquent super speaker. And so people were really swayed by, they followed their favorite teacher, their f- favorite speaker. Now, just so you know, it was probably not these three teachers. He might be using just those so he didn't embarrass the guys or gals that were there. But either way, um, these people are making these divisions and they're breaking themselves up by kind of what teacher they're following. And that's his point about the baptism isn't, it's an aside. It's, he's saying <laughs> baptism is important, but boy, I'm really glad I didn't baptize all of you because you'd be all following me. It'd be even worse. And he's like, it's not about that, right? It's not about that. It's it's not about who you like the most. Uh, so this one uh, strikes me as something that we can immediately do and uh, liken unto ourselves, right? We can uh, use a little hermeneutics uh, to do it. And he says, do we ever do that? Do we ever take a trend of the day and kind of apply it to the gospel of Jesus Christ? I, I have a personal story that I've totally done this and on this exact topic, which is seems kind of silly because I don't know that we do that this much. But when I was a college age, so a lot younger, I was on the speech team in college. And you spend a lot of time on the speech team doing expository speaking, which is like explaining something and different persuasive speakings. And they were really specific styles. And then you would compete against other Students, I know, I know, you probably all did speech. I mean, who wouldn't want to do public speaking for fun? But (coughs) the way it worked is you had really specific judging things that they would judge for, and you would get up in a room, and you would give your speech, and you'd give it over and over throughout the school year. And then maybe, you know, win and move on, and it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And since it was being judged, there were really specific rules And I remember really digging the different way we structured the talks and how we used visual aids and just some of the techniques of the day. And um, then I would listen to conference talks. And and conference talks are not like that. They weren't as dynamic and they didn't use some of those techniques and they really didn't do very often, more now, but they didn't use hardly any like audio visual aids. And just in short, they were nothing like the speeches that I was giving. And I remember being kind of critical of it. And I think, well, you know, why don't, I mean, this is what is taught in universities in the United States. I mean, this must be the pinnacle of speech technique. Why are the general authorities and, and why are they not doing it like this? Um, I, you know, I laugh now because um, <laughs> Because now I think of some of the things we did, and those trends went out pretty early, and it was just for college. But I, I can't believe in my head I was a little bit critical of, of the uh, conference talks, thinking why weren't they like college? Why weren't they like the world? Why, why weren't they using these awesome techniques and styles that we had? And that's exactly what was happening. Uh, but so much so that the people of the day were following those teachers, and it was making division among the congregation. So do we have divisions? Um, do we care more about the way the world is than the way the Lord is? Um, better said, do we, when we have a division, do we look to Christ? Do we say it's about Christ? Um, the, he goes on to explain that uh, an, in, an interesting point, and I, I want to draw this out or else it, it may not make sense to you, but if you think about the cross, the literal crucifixion of christ um the cross itself uh 
it says without the atonement, that kind of death would have been an embarrassment, right? That crucifixion was saved for the very worst of criminals. Uh, even a Roman, you couldn't crucify a Roman. So it was only saved for the worst of the criminals and, and those that were outside the Republic. And so, so it's particularly humiliating. And uh, so in the culture, they would have seen, boy, you have a, a savior that you're worshiping that was in the most humiliating way. And without the wisdom and the grace of knowing that that was part of the atonement and that upside down world is how the Lord is saving us, then you would have looked for those things and you'd be disappointed. But when you understand the good news, when you understand the atonement, then you look to the cross as something saving, something salvific instead of something embarrassing. And so he He's telling them that and because that's got to be new to them, right? We kind of forget because the crucifixion doesn't mean what it did to us. It's not common. And for them, it was was. So he's telling them, hey, um, this would have been embarrassing to you, but we know. And then he draws on one other thing. He says in verse uh, 22, for the Jews demand signs and the Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles get it that the jews were looking for certain signs and the gentiles are like you're worshiping a a guy that was on a roman execution rack and he said but and and he said they they're looking for wisdom right but we proclaim christ crucified that is the the core of our religion so he points out paul points out that the believers the saints were not people that the greeks would have thought wise so he's kind of saying hey what why are you following these speakers and these ideas that that the world thinks is wise? Because, by the way, none of you were that awesome. None of you were eloquent speakers. And so why you think that's awesome, I don't know. And he says it this way. He says, um, consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Things that are not to reduce to nothing things that are so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom for God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption in order that as it is written, let the one who boasts boasts in the Lord. So, Paul is telling us, and, and just know I have a slightly different translation I'm reading. I like the NRSV or the English Standard Version sometimes uh, reading Paul in addition to the King James. So if that reads slightly different, don't don't freak out. That's what I was reading just for uh, continuity. So he's saying that the Lord chose something humble and yet made it powerful. Like you, you see that testimony in yourself, that these divisions shouldn't be there and why are you following these worldly things uh you should realize that christ is our exemplar and and he isn't one of those anyway and so that's that's you guys are following the wrong thing he continues uh from chapter one all the way to chapter four with that same idea going through division and saying when you're looking to the world for a trend and you're not going to find it in the gospel or when you try to find it in the gospel, you might not. And so what's the what's the real answer to those issues in our life? What's the real issue? What's the real answer? Instead of looking to the world, what should we be looking at? 
Christ. Christ. And that gets rid of divisions. So he says, hey, congregation, I don't want you arguing over who's the best teacher. We focus on Jesus, and Jesus brings us together. Um, so think about, uh, that's a challenge for us this week. As you think about Corinthians, look in your own family, your own ward, your workplace, your friends, your sports teams, your school, and say, man, are there divisions where we just go, don't get along? Maybe it's political divisions. Maybe it's family you just don't get along with. And say, how can I not focus on those things that the world says is important, but focus on Christ and see if that doesn't maybe help? Maybe there's an application there. All right. I don't know. Try it. I'll think of it too. All right. Let's move on. Let's do one more uh, as we finish up. The sex one, um, the next one is the issue of sex. So Paul text tells us that the next issue in the church in Corinth is this immorality issue. And he, uh, so we're kind of about chapter five. And he tells a story of a man who was sleeping with his stepmother. And so he's trying to describe that, man, this is pretty sinful. But one thing that he points out is that some of the congregation was proud of it. And he, he's like, what? Why? You guys, this isn't something to be proud of. These are sins. Um, these are sins. And, and what's really different about them, we kind of talked about it last time, is that there's kind of an idea that it's like, oh, life is all about our spirits and important, less carnal things. So those things don't matter. What we do with our body don't matter. Obviously, that's wrong. So if you're jumping in here, those things are wrong. And he tries to explain to the Corinthians that that it, it there isn't this disconnect between our spirits and our bodies that that you're not just like oh i'm it doesn't matter what i do right he's going to point out that they were important and so not to uh that that they were important and they they make a difference so he's going to go on there and then he moves on a little bit more as well um and and quotes a couple of things one of them is in 612 i want to point out i want you to highlight this he says, uh, six, in Corinthians 6.12, everything is permissible for me. Then it, twice, it, it occurs twice more here and then also in chapter 10 and verse 23. That's a quote. So if you don't catch it, he's quoting. He's quoting what the Corinthians would say. Uh, you know, everything's permissible for me. I, uh, what jumped out at me, I, I wrote mine. I don't know if you've seen this one. YOLO. It's the acronym for you only live once. So whatever goes. Uh, that's kind of popular again. And then I had a friend when I was younger that used to say, if it feels good, do it. And they weren't talking about the spirits making them sense something. They were talking about whatever I want to do, I do it. I just follow my desires and my passions. And that's kind of what the Corinthians said. Everything's permissible for me. And he takes that and tears that down. So he says, no, no, it isn't about those things. He's saying that um, all things were not permitted. And he goes on to explain that immorality was very detrimental. And he this is how he defines it or why he breaks that down. And again, what's the answer to this? He says, Jesus. And he says, listen, Jesus died for your sins. He paid the price for your sins, including all the broken relationships that are a result of sexual misconduct. And then one point he makes, I think is really great. It, Paul says that intimate relationships are both physical and spiritual. So the effect is deeply held for both men and women. It's not just what we do with our bodies, but it affects us spiritually. And it's because that those uh, intimate relations are ha uh, handled that way. So then he goes on to talk about 
um, marriage relations and how important they are to be equal and shared. And and because he's trying to say, hey, those are important and this is how it should be handled, not what you're doing. And in fact, some of the members were still going to the temples and uh, practicing uh, a ritual prostitution. And he's like, you guys, what are you talking about? Come back for a second. Let's reel this back in. These things are important. They make a difference. And so these broken relationships and the effect it has on our spouse and the effect it has on our families and on relationships compounds. That's why this stuff is important. So he's telling us that it affects us. Um, and, and he also says, by the way, you're going to be res resurrected. So what we do with our bodies today is the same body, although perfected, we're going to have later and it matters. So there's more here. But remember, he is addressing some specifics, and they may not be applicable to us, or they may. So uh, don't get too worried about the word for word, but read through it and see what you say. But do know that he's saying that um, intimate relations are, are very important, and there's something that affects us from our spirits to our bodies and all of our families, and that is important. And if we remember Jesus and that he died for these sins and that he's teaching us a better way, it'll make a lot more sense. Well, that's it. Those are our first two issues. So keep on reading through and see if we are ready for next time, which we will cover uh, three more issues in First Corinthians. All right. See you next time.